you tweeted, once you defeat all the other masculine lesbians, this is the final boss. <laughs> hey, I let them know. Let them know. What's up, what's up, good people? Welcome into Montgomery & Co. I'm Renee Montgomery. So Will Smith issued an apology. We're going to talk about it. So we talk about that, me and the crew, we're going to talk about our reactions to it. Our RMF gala happened. The first ever gala happened. And I'm going to give you a recap on everything that went down. Atlanta showed up. It was star-studded. I was really excited. I'm going to talk to you about that. Then we have Raven Saunders come on. Now, Raven, I watched her live at the Olympics. And Raven has personality for days. I hope that brands have gravitated to her, but you're going to hear all about her experience. And last but not least, we're going to talk about sports franchises. How much are they worth? We like to talk money. Let's go. We got to talk about the RMF Gala. It was a fundraising gala. It was on July 29th. We talked to you guys about it beforehand, but I had no idea what was about to happen. Like, I knew it was going to be lit. Shouts to AT&T for being the title sponsor of the gala. It was our first ever gala. So there was a lot of nervous energy. I'm not going to lie. Like, my whole family was nervous. Lori Allen, she's the chairman of our board. She was like, you know, we all had this nervous energy because we just wanted it to be, like, amazing. We wanted everything to go perfect. This was our first one. So we didn't know what we didn't know yet. We were trying to plan for everything to make sure it was smooth. But we just didn't know how it was going to go. So... Man, we were there early in the morning, starting on the 29th, getting everything set up. We saw one of our honorees, Ja, he's the founder of the AEBL. He was up in there looking around at the scene, checking it out for sneaker ball that's coming up. So it was just kind of dope to see, man, we had the right people that were honoring. It was the environment. There was a community environment. We all were there all day. And so then the nighttime comes. We were a little bit later than we expected to be because, you know, we were getting everything prepared. But I'm literally going through the whole thing with you guys because I'm just like really turned up what happened. So we start seeing people come in. Roy and his wife come in. We start seeing the AT&T people come in. We just start seeing a lot of different faces come in. And I'm like, man, people are showing up. Mind you, it's raining here in Atlanta. So I didn't know if I didn't know if that would affect people or not. So we start seeing the Atlanta dream, the whole staff come through. That was amazing to see. Just seeing faces from out of town. We had people coming in from out of town, from New York, Chicago, D.C., Miami, as we talked about. It was just exciting. And then the auction happened. So we're at the show. It was an hour long show. And it was an awards show slash auction. We decided to pretty much do that last minute because people kept on asking, well, how can I make sure I get the last bit? So I'm like, whatever, we're going live. So we go live and we give out an award and then we auction off an item. Let me tell y'all, folks was out there spending monies. I mean, there was a real live outbidding. People were looking at each other. It was competitive. The prices was going up. We made a lot of money for Project Smile, which is exactly what we were trying to do. Project Smile is where we're basically going to go to teams that need extra help, teams that need 
assistance. We're going to give them merch. We're going to give them new shoes, new out uniforms. Just give them a, a makeover, a team, full on team makeover. That's what Project Smile is. So we raised a good amount of money and we had a good time. So the RMF Gala, that was our first year. We will have one every single year here on out. And follow at RMF Nonprofit. We're doing events throughout the year. That was just one of our events, but we have so many other events. Tap in with us, man. Beyonce, did you guys hear? What's S-P-A-Z? Is that spaz or spaz? What is that? It says Beyonce removing spaz lyric from new album Renaissance. So you can't even say the word spaz? Like you people say somebody spaz is out? That has to be an acronym. S-P-A-Z. I know the spaz out. People used to say that people spazzed out when they were mentally unstable yes that's exactly what it says the use of the word spaz is being criticized by activists who say the word is used as a derogatory term to refer to people with spastic diplegia a form of cerebral palsy however among the black community the word is often used in different contexts meaning go crazy i told you that's what i said like we use it as spaz like spaz oh out. my yeah. god they don't mean <laughs> beyonce remove the oh lyric my Lord. this is what kills me this is the part that kills me so these men could talk about all these breasts and all this butt <laughs> and all this sexing, hmm. and we could talk about all this stuff and all these songs. Not just that in the African American community, point, not just in the African American community, but if you listen to songs all across the world, we talk about explicit lyrics and the word "spaz." Is what they're upset about. Oh my god! I can't believe that's what they came at Beyonce for. It's like Beyonce done said a lot Get of things. All of that. And you came with her to that and then you bypassed all this nastiness. Well, think, well on that same wow. point of talking about like on things that artists do, Paul is about to play us a video. Will Smith issued an apology. Uh, I think it was last week, but oh, Will wow. Smith issued this apology and we're going to play it. I want to hear our live reactions because none of us have seen it, but Paul just let us know that it happened. So we're, we're about to watch it now live and see our thoughts. VP? Why didn't you apologize to Chris in your acceptance speech? Um, I was fogged out by that point. It's all fuzzy. I've reached out to Chris. The message that came back is that uh, he's not ready to talk. And when he is, he will reach out. I will say to you, Chris, I apologize to you. Uh, my behavior was unacceptable and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. I want to apologize to Chris's mother. I saw an interview that Chris's mother did and, you know, that was one of the things about that moment. I just didn't realize and, you know, I wasn't thinking but how many people got hurt in that moment. So I want to uh, apologize to Chris's mother. I want to apologize to uh, Chris's family, specifically Tony Rock. You know, we had a great relationship. Tony Rock was my man. And uh, this, this, is, this is probably irreparable. I spent the last three months um, replaying and understanding the nuances and, and the complexities of what happened in that moment. 
I'm not going to try to unpack all of that right now, but I can say to all of you, there is no part of me that thinks that was the right way to behave in that moment. There's no part of me that thinks that's the optimal way to handle a feeling of disrespect or, or insults. After Jada rolled her eyes, did she tell you to do something? No. Um, it's like, you know, I'm, I made a choice on my own from my own experiences, from my history with Chris. Jada had nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm sorry, babe. I'm going to say sorry to my, my kids and, and my family for the heat that I brought on all of us. Disappointing people is my central trauma. Uh, it hurts me psychologically and emotionally to know I didn't live up to people's image and impression of me. And the work I'm trying to do is I am deeply remorseful and I'm trying to be remorseful without being ashamed of myself, right? I'm human and I made a mistake. I know it was confusing. I know it was shocking, um, but I, I promise you I am uh, deeply devoted and committed to putting light and love and joy into the world and you know if you if you hang on i promise we'll be able to be friends again that was that's a lot live reactions here my first initial thought was a lot of times when people do an apology, it never works. Like I just in general, a lot of times people's apologies fall short. People don't feel that they're sincere. People are asking, well, what work are you going to do with the apology? Or people feel like it didn't really hit the mark. You know, Will Smith posted that video from his personal YouTube. He put his own apology out there. I think that was the first thing, but I'm just really curious about like, you know, what are your all's initial thoughts? Cause you guys, we all watched that live just now. We hadn't seen it beforehand. We didn't even know it existed beforehand and, and Paul just played it for us live. So what are your initial thoughts, reactions? I forgive you. <laughs> We're I friends like again. You can I come like play that. at the playground. You can, you can take my turn on the slide. So we're friends again. I like that. <laughs> we forgive you, right? I like that. That shows I like you have that. a good heart. And and I hope all my kids have good hearts. <laughs> but anyway, let me just say this. That was pretty touching to me because it takes a lot for a person to get in front of a camera yeah. and do a, an apology to the whole world. You know, that thing he said three months, everybody in the world has probably saw that slap and made jokes. He said it brought down heat on his family. And, you know, time will heal wounds because it's not so shocking as it was when it first happened three months ago. But I thought about what he was saying, and he used this word several times, moments. And, you know, Renee's quote that she uses a lot of time deals with moments. And it says, moments equal momentum. So unfortunately, his moment equaled the momentum of that firestorm that came to him and his family. So moments equal momentum is actually true. And it's a prime example of 
why people need to really, and I've told Renee and Nicole and Sam, you might have even heard me say this. You got to think about the big picture. You know, in the moment, you have to think, if I do this, then what, 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 what? Will uh, didn't think about that at all. So it was no. just like a, you know, he just did no. it spontaneously. And so a lot of times when we think about doing things, as he was walking up on the stage, he had that moment to think, is this right? No, he didn't, Ma. He didn't have time for that. <laughs> he didn't have time for that. I'm going to tell you that right now. He didn't have time for that. I agree with what you're saying. And a lot of it, everything was true. But I have been in those zap out, blackout moments where you don't see a bigger picture. You see the picture in front of you. You just react. And that's the only picture that you're focused on. Now, I'm pretty sure... And I've been there before. I've let people have it. Probably when the right moment hasn't been done. We've all and, been and there. In hindsight, yes, there was a better way to always handle things. There's always hindsight is twenty twenty. My point is, is that when, like he said, he's already fogged out. He was already gone. There was no next nominee. He was nominee. just seeing red at there the was moment. No, yes, he was in a blackout, and I have been there. The difference is, I'm not famous. I blacked out the thing right there and had to go back and say, you know what? That was dead wrong. You have every right to be mad at me. But at the time I was just angry. So I feel him on that. And that's why I think, you know, as far as the moments and the momentum, it does. It it propelled something and he didn't even want what it propelled. But like he said, he was too far gone. So I forgive him because it wasn't my first time doing it. It won't be my last time doing it. It's just, you got to be able to (laughs) say you're sorry and try not to, to do it again but you can't ever say you won't do it again that's all I'm saying well, just one big thing there that told me that he's a bigger person than than people might think he is he said Jada's looked and caused this something uh, dealing with Jada did and so he's Ma, taking it all you don't he's know taking that. full responsibility well, he taking it off his wife or she whatever didn't smack him. most men wouldn't do that most people wouldn't do that that's great they would try to find yeah. a scapegoat or a reason why he said it was me all me so I, I My hat's off to him for being one of those people in society today that's going to take responsibility for what they actually did. Yeah, I I agree. I agree, too. But I'm just like, I agree agree with both of you, because, I mean, to your point, Snook, I feel like something caused a reaction because what Nicole is saying is that at the moment when something happens, you black out or you see red or whatever you want to call it. You just react. You just by pure instinct or whatever reaction, whatever you want to reflex you just react and and so I feel like that's what happened in this situation and honestly I was never really mad at Will Smith and and I know that I sound crazy saying that but I feel like if that was Renee in that situation I would have probably defended my spouse the same way that he did and so I feel like there's two truths over here I'm not I'm not saying that just because I'm not mad at him doesn't mean that I you know that, that I'm against Chris because I love Chris Rock too so I love both of them I just wanted them to just hash it out and and work it out you know just I, I want this thing to be over between them and so I do think that it is it was stand up of him to do that because he's like, look, this is last resort. I've reached out to him. I've reached out to the family. I haven't heard anything back. So, you know, this is probably one of the biggest gestures that he can do to, to be like, look, a public apology that does go a long way, you know, and, and I feel like he he's a superstar. He did, he did it on his own time. And I commend him for that. I just think about, OK, so it's been three months since the incident. Right. And Honestly, he could have easily just let it die down. Right. Like, you know, like there's there's a lot of ways you could have looked at this situation. If I'm Will Smith, 
Nobody's really talking about it as much anymore. It's still hints of a joke. We saw the goat on the stage with Kevin Hart and the different things of that nature. We see remnants of the joke. But for the most part, you know, to Snook talk about moments equal momentum, the momentum has slowed down in a sense of how many people were talking about it, joking about it, covering it. He actually put himself out there by resurfacing it again. That was my first thought. Like when I heard that he put an apology out, I'm like, what? I thought we were past it. But I think he was healing too, you know? Yeah, he was taking his time to heal. That's what I was going to get at. I think that for him to have taken three months, I honestly do believe, we know that he went out of the country for a certain point. I really do believe that he took time and he thought about it because I personally think that right after it happened, he probably still felt like he was right. Like even the first couple of days after, he probably was like, and I'd do it again. In his mind, he probably mm-hmm. was thinking that. Yep. So for him to come three months later, it seems like he's gotten to this point where he's like, I do realize why it's wrong. He's apologizing to Jada. He's apologizing to his family. He's apologizing to Chris Rock's mom because that's a good point. If I had a big night where I'm hosting a big award show, I know Snook's watching. She might be in the crowd. I know everybody in West Virginia is watching. I know ATL is going to be watching. And if I'm up there and I get my face slapped off, that's going to be a big moment for everybody watching. He was presenting, not hosting. He was by the presenting. Way. I'm sorry. He was presenting. But either way, if you know Chris Rock was presenting, you know that that's a big moment for the people is happening to as well. So for Will Smith to even have seen the interview with Chris Rock's mom, he talked about Tony Rock, Chris Rock's brother. I feel like that was reflection. Like, you know, and so for for me, there's a lot of apologies that I like, and I'm just being honest, I'll be like, they could have kept that apology. Like there's been a lot of times where people have apologized. <laughs> Especially when it comes to your family, the people yeah, that you don't play about. And, and, but the thing is, is that, and I, of course, Chris Rock is completely the victim in here. There was no reason for him to be slapped to begin with. But, Will Smith's not a bully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just out, that's the reason why it's such outlandish behavior because he's not a bully. We And that does matter. It. And they tried to make him out a bully afterwards. They said, well, he, he did this before. But no, you couldn't really find anything. So that's the reason why I truly believe he's sorry is because he's never really had bully tendencies. So you I mean, and even in that moment, he didn't even seem like a bully to me. It seemed like he was protecting his family. It really did feel like it was all about Jada. And just so people know, Jada, you know, she had already shared a public statement that she has alopecia and she was addressing it with Red Table Talk. So this was something that, you know, a lot of people do know about her condition. But to that point, yeah, I feel like... If this was recurring behavior, it would be like, okay, Will Smith, like get yourself together. But this seems like he loved his wife and he heard somebody say something about somebody he loves. And he, like he said, it got foggy after that. You know, people start that saying, people say they see red. I know people hear that saying and they like, oh yeah, yeah, that means you were mad. Some people, he looked like he really basically saw red and didn't care nothing about it. He, he said, don't talk about my wife. He said, keep my wife's name out your but mouth. But just real quick, though, I know that that we said that Chris Rock is definitely the victim. But I feel like, you know, with cancel culture and everything, you know, cancel culture is really, really prevalent right now. And yeah. so people might ask, oh, what would Will Smith have to heal from? Why would he have to take time, you know, to heal, quote unquote, heal from this if he wasn't the one that was victimized? But cancel culture hit him pretty hard. You know, everybody was coming at him from all angles and like, like, like Nicole said, he's not a bully, you know, so he really had to take time and reflect and say, wow, you know, like I was wrong. You know, I did it for the right reasons, but I was wrong. Well, he even said his central trauma is disappointing people. So mm-hmm. if, if that's people, strong wording, trauma yeah. is in therapy. So that's exactly. something that is 
been inside of him. He's been working That's on. That's what I was going to say. As a counselor, I really feel good about Will because I was worried about him. As a counselor, I know he's been through the steps that he needs to do that introspection to look at what, you know, instead of throwing it off on other people, you have to look inside. Like you said, you might have thought, well, I would do it again. Well, he's talked with people who've met, let him see how everything from within Like how him he was wrong from out. every point because even still... Like at the end of the day, no, I wouldn't have went up there and slapped somebody if they said something wild about Serena. But if somebody says something wild about Serena, I know the way that I'm set up. I'm going to make I sure mean, that. I mean, you can say that now, but you don't know at the moment. Yeah, Will Smith I don't know at the moment. Said the same thing. It, he said, it, I would never get say out of character. Say you know? it, Sam, because I know I would get out of character. Know. I, know. I, know. I mean, yeah. what if it's something? Okay, look, this is something that I've never shared with anybody. But, okay, so I have a, a partially amputated finger. People, a lot of people know this about me. If somebody was to make fun of my finger on live television, something yeah. that I would probably be very self-conscious about, you don't know what you would But do. that's what I'm trying to say. I know what my ether is like so this is what I know about how <laughs> I handle situations Cole is the try Jesus please I, don't the try one me because I'll be the the apology afterwards that's what I'm saying <laughs> I was about to fight a Lyft driver the other day for talking crazy to my mom yeah but this is how <laughs> I would do if it was let's just hypothetically say if this was Chris Rock and he was talking about Serena and something that I know that she doesn't talk to a lot of people about it's about to be a roast fest. I know this is how I work. I mean, but that's what I'm saying, Renee. Like, you might think that at the moment. It's easy to, easy to say. I've been in a lot of situations where it has got... I've been in situations where people are fighting and I wasn't the one to fight at that moment. Like, I've been there. Like, and I've been in yeah. situations where yeah. people got jumped and then I had to help. Like, so I've... I've been like in different situations, but I just know that like my the way that I would clap back is, oh, we about to have a roast battle then because you're not about to say nothing wild because he said it in a joke. So this is what made me think I'm automatically really going to start to roast him because Will Smith is a comedian, too. So if you think you got jokes, we about to see who's funny then, because I just know that that's how I function. Like I would have I wouldn't have let it go. Like I would have I know that I would have found him later. I would have found a time to let him know. I think I would have finished later, but I would have, yeah. (laughs) My next comedy routine would have been about Chris Rock. Yeah, I, I, but to that point, everybody's different. Like, that's personality types. Like, yeah. in a sense of, like, I know my sister Cole, she might slap you in your face just looking to you dead in your face. Like, I know that about Cole right now. That's why I said I felt every <laughs> bit of him because I am yeah. that person who reacts and then everybody's like, now you could have handled you that. You could have calmed then, down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I understand what he's saying. And when he said he fogged out, I fogged out before and then had to go back and say... Yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah, I'm Let never the fog out so. type. Like, I know where I, I like. I've been so mad that like I would have wanted to slap somebody, but I didn't. I've been mad enough to slap somebody, and I didn't. I slap mean, somebody. like. I just know that this is unrelated, but Tanisha Wright, our own coach, said Facts. that she would never get a but technical. No and that. what happened during the season? She got a technical fighting for her players. Everybody knew the joke was on Tanisha when she said it, baby. That's like, what I'm saying. I feel like the re- I, I think we all think that the joke is on you right now because yes. if one of your family so members, really somebody's talking about one of your family really think members, I would go and slap somebody. Like, I don't know. I think that if it's if it's extreme enough, I'm gonna say if it's extreme enough because I'm telling you right now if for what she has went through and if he has seen the trauma that she's been going through and it's already something you don't even know she could have had a trauma about what she had on and what she looked like I would have slapped them in the back I'm trying to tell y'all I'm more I don't know I don't know I know that I would have not walked myself up there 
and slap him. I can't him. say I wouldn't. You see how long he had to walk? I want you guys to realize. But see, he was going remember, too slow. For me, I would have been up there a lot faster. See, that's the difference. I would have been up there a lot faster. It would have been one thing if Chris Rock was saying it to me, to my face. Like, right here. Like, if me and him were having just a one-on-one conversation, he was right there in my face. Maybe, <laughs> all right, you might get slapped. But... That walk, that setting. He was too slow. I would give him was, that. If I was that me, angry, it would have been, people would have been running behind me because <laughs> I would have jumped up and made a barrel run to it. would have been tackling him. Roy and Paul are talking about, so Paul said Renee wouldn't slap somebody on national television. And Roy going to say in the what chat. What about local TV? What about local TV? And Paul <laughs> said maybe. You might get slapped on Bally Sports Southeast. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> but you ain't going to get slapped on ABC by me. Right? I'm going to just say, but I'm just, because I just know myself. When I got halfway there, I would have probably thought, wait, what am I doing? And I would have like took the mic and I probably would have roasted him. But if he was standing right there in front of me, maybe I just know myself. But I'm not knocking Will Smith because, like I said, I know I got a sister that would slap you and she wouldn't have walked. She would have ran up there and slapped you. You would have known she <laughs> was tackled you. <laughs> well, in that situation, words, I've always tried to avoid getting really upset about words. Now, you put your hands on me. It's a different story. Once you touch me, all that's, bets are that's off. That's what I was about and to say. Chris, if they touched Serena. Chris Rock, it's it would have been bad. If I was yeah. Chris Rock. And he came up there and smacked me. Oh, it would have still been playing. But see, that's the thing is that I think that's what I think that's what we're trying to say. If he'd came for Will all day, Will would have sat in his seat. But what I'm saying to you is, is that he knows what his wife had been through, personal traumas. But what about Chris Rock? I would have been Chris Rock. See, who would have who on here would have got slapped and not done nothing like Chris Rock? That's what I was about to say, yo, Chris Rock. He handled that with so much class. But it's because I think that he knew that he was a little wrong. He was a little wrong for what he he knew that he was wrong. No, but what I'm saying is I'm the Chris Rock type. Chris Rock realized in the moment, in the heat of the moment that I don't know if you guys watch this, but I analyzed yeah, that I video. Yeah, I did. I watched it like he 15 times. Himself. Chris Rock almost like he had to catch himself. Yeah, he, he was about he to hit him back. He almost yeah. reacted and then Chris Rock, boom, realized where he was. Well, maybe he's like you. That's what I'm trying to say. I think I'm a Chris Rock. That's his decision. I'm sorry. I'm a Chris Rock. I would have <laughs> realized was his the decision. moment. That was not- his decision. <laughs> Live with your decision. Live with your decision. Because no, if you decide, it, no, if we're going to say, his wife. If if I'm gonna say, if we're going to say that Will Smith had time to think about it and just because Chris Rock th- thought about it and took that, that was his decision. His decision <laughs> was to slap him and his decision was not to slap no, back. But- what I'm, I'm not saying even going to go into Chris Rock's side of no, it. I mean, what that's I'm saying what is, is, no, that's not even the point. The point is what I'm saying is some people realize in the moment, even having been slapped like Chris Good Rock, you. I'm saying I'm more of a Chris Rock type because Chris Rock <laughs> almost reacted. And Good then he caught himself and was like, wow, I just got the slapped out of me on national television. And it Good was like, you. that would have been the me type where I'm like, I know Chris Rock didn't just say this about her on and national if I was television. Chris Rock, I would say, here, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> mic on that. Snookabooka is out here in these social media streets. Okay. Chris Rock is smarter than than what than what we think. Cause if he would have reacted, he would have been a villain too. He would have said something not. wrong, and, and he would have he would have he would have said something nope. about his wife, and then it would have been even worse because nope. they both would have been fighting. Nope, because in a stand your ground situation as we have been in this country, people would have been like, and Chris Rock was right to defend himself. Since we're going, we're going to let him do it on this side. They're no. going to let him do it on that no, side. No, he did I the mean, most stand up thing he could because you can't you can't say something about somebody's wife and then not and then react also because and you no. dish it. he well, didn't when people react. People say if you dish it, you got 
to take it. But either yes. way, there's always yeah. going to be people on both sides of it. That That's the oh, whole thing about this situation. Good for you, Chris. No, but good at the end you. of the day, what I like to see is that Will Smith is trying to make amends. Yeah, you don't want two absolutely. grown men that at every event, these are two Hollywood stars. You don't want these two Hollywood stars at every event for people to be concerned about what it's going to be about. Chris Rock has every right to, like he said, when he's good and ready, he'll come back and talk to him. But all I like to see is that at least there's some type of olive branch put out there. Not that to say that it is going to be healed because he said some of these things are, what was the Irreparable. word? So he understands that that's the case. And so maybe it is, but I like that they tried. That's all I'll say. up next we have olympic medalist raven saunders think about how much time you spend at home does your home really make you feel great if not it's time to change it now picture yourself coming home seeing beautiful new furniture from jordan's eating out or a vacation those things just come and go but walking into your room and loving what you see you'll enjoy that every day Right now, come to Jordan's Furniture and get 15% off everything or get up to 60 months with no interest. Call 1-866-245-4722 for financing details. Restrictions apply. Subject to credit approval. We were all watching the Olympics, just like the rest of the world. And I honestly felt like you had one of the biggest, best personalities, like in your, like, not just in your sport. I'm talking about at the Olympics. It was after you was winning, you was twerking. I'm not, listen, I'm not lying to y'all. It was like so much going on. Talk about the energy that you just brought to the 2020 (laughs) Tokyo Olympics, first off. Man, so I'm a big person about, you know, energies and also protecting yours. So I had a whole lot of energy built up just being out in the village. You have so many other athletes that are amazing in their own craft. And really for me, it was really just about showing, you know, who I was as a person and not being apologetic about any of it. I know people have stories about this problem from other countries. I would literally have like my JBL speaker, like prop it out outside of the dining hall where people are going in and out cut my music on full blast and I'm outside of the dining hall for like an hour or two just like dancing trying to like get people to dance with me <laughs> what I'm, I'm telling you like on the way to practice I'm grooving at practice I'm grooving Love so it. like really it was like after I won literally the feeling of just being so joyous it just took over like that twerk was not planned like, <laughs> I didn't even expect it to be televised like I didn't find out until after I was like back at the village that they caught me twerking at the Olympics because usually they cut it out that's usually how it goes but I'm like I see my girls I'm like hey we just <laughs> you know how I get when you get around your people yes That's exactly what I was talking about. Like, I felt that energy through the screen. And so we talk a lot about business and and when it comes to sports and also when it comes to gender equality. So please tell me that there were brands and sponsorships that gravitated to you because you weren't just twerking. You was winning, too. Okay, like I'm not just I'm making sure people understand you had all that personality and all that energy, but you was collecting medals along the way. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I did um, a few partnerships that uh, I'm actually doing. I've been a part of Nike's campaign. I uh, did like a mental health piece with uh, Tommy Hilfiger. 
Um, wow. Also, I partnered up with uh, Lido. So, you know, when you go in the airport and they make you put your hands out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's um, another one of my sponsors. And um, shoot. Okay. Yeah, a lot going on in the world. Nice. Right okay, so that's dope. And you're promoting world athletics. Like, because why? Tell us about World Athletics. It's pretty much just like our track and field collective. I mean, track and field is the basis of sports all across the world and all around the world. Has the most participation of all sports in this country, especially. So really just bringing more light to that and really showing people, you know, the the professional side and really trying to grow the business of professional athletics so that, you know, when kids transition from, you know, high school to college to now um, professionals, really just creating a platform to where these athletes can do like they see football and basketball and soccer and baseball players do where they get to bring their own spice, pizzazz and, you know, sauce and swag to the table. I love it. (laughs) I love it. it. You know, I talk about track and field in a sense of like, when you guys graduate from from college, what does that feel like? You know, like in the WNBA, the NBA, NFL, we get drafted. We kind of know what's going to happen with us. Like, what's the thought process coming out of college, knowing you're the best of the best? The Olympics are there, but what else is there for track and field? Uh, and that's that's the thing right now that uh, makes the sport uh, very difficult, but also they're actually in works of trying to uh, help fix a lot of that. That, like you said, like when you go into the WNBA or a lot, a lot of other sports where you know you know where you're going, you know what you got to do. Yeah. Um, versus for us, I mean, when you're at an elite level and you're like top three in a country, typically um, it's a little bit easier. But um, trying to figure out where you're going to train based upon like who you sign a contract with. Or if you don't have a contract, where are you going to train? How are you going to pay for it? Um, my teammate, she, Jessica Ramsey, uh, she was on a, what's that, like an apparel contract so she wasn't really making any money besides bonuses yeah. for a full-time job and insomnia cookie and also breeding bullies. Wow. And she, she beat me at trials. Um, but, like, fortunate enough for me that, especially after this, this year, I mean, I didn't have to work up until, like, leading into that COVID year. But once you find you, like, a solid group, a solid base, we have meets all around the country, all around the world. So you kind of get to pick your own schedule. Um, once you're really in that top three ranking in America, you get to go pretty much wherever you want to go at, honestly. <laughs> That's <Nice>. what's up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun seeing the world, honestly. I've been wanting to interview. I need to tell you this. Like, I've been <laughs> wanting you to come on here. And so I'm really happy to have you because... I need everybody to know what's happening and all the different personalities going on. You got some big boss energy because after you won. She ain't lying. She, she telling the truth, though. I was there when we were watching you live. She's like, oh, she going to be a star. She going to be a star. I, yeah. I was saying it live. I was like, this girl is a star. Like, so you, after you won, I couldn't even believe this. I was crying real tears. You tweeted, once you defeat all the other masculine lesbians, this is the final boss. Hey, I had to let them know. I had to let them know. Yo, what? What was going through you? Like, talk to me. What happened, Raven? Raven, somebody come man. get her. Listen, I, I was, I was in my bag, so I was gonna talk my mess, man. I was gonna talk my mess. No, I mean, I was like, yes. I'm like, yo, what's the caption gonna be? The whole entire time, the the Olympic committee is out here trying to take my medal. Well, they were like, you know, they sort of X on the stand, uh, doing the 
they called it a protest. It was a demonstration. Mm, yeah. So the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, also a loophole. But um, boom. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not going to skip past that real quick. You held up the X. I remember that because, again, we were stalking you. You held up the X. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us why you did that and about like it was a demonstration to you. Oh, man. When you think about Polly, um, Polly Murray, um, who pretty much speak, spoke about the intersectionality of being a woman and yet also being black. And then for me, also adding on being an LGBTQ community and then also adding in having mental health, um, you know, challenges along the way in my life. I mean, it's four different lanes that meet at my intersection that pretty much kind of make up part of who I am, a large part of who I am. And with everything that was going on, I went to like four protests the year before with that crazy summer of COVID and just really feeling the need that we as a world needed to speak up for ourselves and the things that we're going through. And I knew that there weren't really any of my other teammates who I I knew for a fact there wasn't anyone besides me that was actually willing to make that step and make that statement at a level such as this. So I pretty much took it upon myself that whatever came with it, I was going to take it because um, I had a meeting with John Carlos in 2018 and I asked about it because I, I've been wanting to do something at this level to make a statement for, I mean, for a while. And um, really studying what they did and everything that they went through after, um, he pretty much told me the thing that stuck with me was that, you know, when you're doing something of this magnitude for other people, it's like you have to be willing to accept all of the consequences that came with it. So I was prepared for them to try and take my medal. I was prepared to lose all of my contract deals. I was prepared to go home broke. But I mean, shit, I was broke going out to the Olympics. So <laughs> 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 Just nothing to lose. I'm like, yo, what do, what do I have to lose? That's um, right. right. It's like, who, who all can this help? So after that happened, Man, it was so crazy because, like, we had this whole, like, media area for, honestly, that you're supposed to go through when you get done. Yo, like, our media person kind of, like, swept me, like, real quick. So it was, like, a group of, like, maybe 10 media that was sitting there waiting. They asked me, so what does the X mean or whatever? And I knew that if I didn't say it then, that these people were going about creating their own narrative of what it was yeah. that I was doing, what it was that it meant, and all of these things. So very quickly, literally, it popped up in my head. I was like, X is the intersection where all trans people meet. Um, boom, just like that. Say it one more time for the people in the back. X is the intersection where all oppressed people meet. Nice. Mm. Um, and I waited until after the uh, the medal ceremony, which was the playing of the national anthem. So I didn't want to respect the Chinese national anthem or, you know, disrespect anybody that also, you know, did what they needed to do to win. So it was actually during the photo shoot, the photo op, where they take pictures of us on it that I raised my hand. So the medal ceremony had already been finished. So I knew of a loophole. Um, my Come girl on, Gwen Bailey. Yeah. Um, and then after they were talking about, you know, I seen all of the craziness. I wasn't even paying attention to it because I really didn't care because I knew what I did and what, who I did it for. IOC was trying to take my medal, so I'm out here. I'm making TikToks, um, running away with the medal. <laughs> I made a tweet. Mind you, Japan is a whole island, right? Japan is a whole island. I was like, shoot, hey, if they want this medal, they're gonna have to uh, get it because I swear I'm running. I'm tossing it into the water, or something like that. I'm running, back. <laughs> like, I'm running back to America right now. They're gonna have to get it for me because yo, I, I refuse. And we was right by water. I swear, I was scared if they wanted to come get it. They was going fishing in that river. This uh, <laughs> you weren't getting it from my hands. All the work I done did, y'all going to have to put in some work for it, too. Man, <laughs> yeah, I, love I love that. I love that, though. You said that you knew you had uh, nothing to lose, but what did you gain from doing that? Like, what did you get by being able to, to take that stance? Um, I feel like I gained... Uh, 
the presence of a lot of people being that um, the amount of people that reached out to me after that moment, weeks, months, um, even now, like a full year after this, telling me, yo, like you saved my life. That for me was honestly the biggest thing that I did it for. I was like, yo, if I can save one person, yo, my job here is done. That's it. Honestly. And I I really feel like the money, the, the fame, all of it is cool. Like, you know, notoriety, all of that's nice. But just knowing that I'm being able to be a pillar and, you know, be able to influence and also now this forcing me to learn more and, you know, grow my knowledge uh, as a person that, you know, when I speak, I have to understand I'm speaking for the people. I'm trying to speak to the people. So it's like whatever message that I say, I have to make sure that, you know, it's the right thing and it's actually what I feel. Um, So that's been the greatest thing and the greatest blessing really out of it all. I love that. I always like to ask people like, so you're unapologetically you. So what's your style? Like who is Raven? Because I see the nails. (laughs) I see the swag. I've seen you on the billboards, too. There's there's so much personality that even comes out with you with your uniform on. So, like, how would you describe Raven's swag style? Like what's your swag? Uh, It's like it's a balance. Um, I've really just recently been talking to some friends about like this journey to like who I am and what does my style look like. And it's like, you know, the muscles and the, the masculinity automatically, like, you know, people call me sir or whatever, but I'm like, yo, I'm still a female. And it's like, there's certain feminine things that I like to do. I mean, it's fine. It just, it added a Come little on something it. to it. I, love, I call them BAPS nails and I meet it in the best way possible. My sister-in-law wears them all the time and she always comes with, you know, she was Barbie BAP the other day. So I, we, oh. we already talked about it. We like that personality. Look at Snook. Yes. Come on, Snook. Come on, Come on, Come on, Come on. <laughs> So it's just really just being me and what makes me comfortable. I mean, I ain't gonna do no dress and no skirt unless they, you know, pay me and that. But there are like melodic elements that I am able to comfortably embrace and really being in this, even in the in my own LGBTQ community, it's like typically people try to put you on a fence of all right, you're a stud, you're masculine, so you're supposed to be hundred percent masculine, or oh you're a femme, so you're supposed to be I'm like, I don't want to do none of that. So my style is just whatever, whatever I'm I happy about. Yeah, I, I love right. it. I love it. Just right. dropping the chat. He said that Broadman shirt is fire. By the way, the way you got <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> he's like literally my spirit animal like yeah really? hair yeah. like i'm i'm the hair like the the roughness like i don't play i ain't no friends in the industry yes no yes, friends yes. in the industry you brother so who is the hulk are you the hulk why 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 is your screen name the hulk right now <laughs> man the, the hope be who who i am when i'm when i'm working and when i'm getting in my bag um it's it's unrelentless it's savage it's you know how are we gonna get this how are we gonna get this money you know what i'm saying how are we taking heads off today so that's who the Hulk is. I like that. Gotcha. That's a screen name like showing that. my age, like AOL days. The Hulk is that. That yeah. sounds like Sasha Fierce. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, listen, Raven, the Hulk, Montgomery and Company is, uh, listen, we are a friend in the industry, okay? We are going to be following you. We are rooting for you and wish you nothing but the best. And and please keep yes. being authentically you, man. That is beautiful. You, and I'm still in that. I'm still in the X because I like that. That's a, that's a, a very powerful <laughs> statement so I'm gonna be stealing that I'm gonna tell you we ended up getting the whole entire world championship stadium to actually end up holding it up. So that was 
That's awesome. I love it. That's wonderful. I love it. That's, that's wonderful. called making a difference. Like if people don't know, and just real quick before you go, I do know that you had things that happened when you were younger that for you to say, I just wanted to save one person, you know, people don't know where people came from. So I know that, you know, you got outed young when you were in middle school and that was an experience that you had to go through. So just seeing what you did with your experiences and then the each one teach one, man, like nothing but respect to the Hulk, man. Nothing but respect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for joining us on Montgomery & Co. Nice meeting you all. I'm wishing all of you peace, love, light, and prosperity. The Dallas Cowboys were named the most valuable sports franchise at $7.64 billion. We're going to talk all about that next. Okay, so I was reading a CBS Sports article and the numbers have come out that the Dallas Cowboys are worth $7.64 billion. They were named the most valuable sports franchise. And I'm going to say in America because these are the teams that they're talking about, the sports franchises in America. So the Dallas Cowboys makes the top of the charts. Are we surprised? Are we not surprised? How do we feel about that? I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, me neither. How about Mm-mm. them boys? That's what my Diddy says all the time. They're literally called America's team. They are really Facts. literally called the America's team. So I think that this is about right. And I'm telling you, if you ask Diddy, he could tell you why. Probably <laughs> a million reasons why. And he'll give you all the stats. He could yes, run he down for you. Yes, he will. <laughs> They've had a few rough years, but they have in the past been pretty tough. Yeah, that's the thing too. So you brought up a good point, Snookabooka. In the past years, I think I read something that they, you know, they haven't succeeded to their expectations, right? But yet they still are topping the charts for the most money-making franchise out there. So what makes a fan a fan? It's not really the winning anymore, is it? Like, what is it? I think it's like tradition. I don't know. Maybe it's just like just growing up, seeing the cheerleaders. It's kind of like people dress up as the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders for Halloween. You know, like they're a staple. So I don't know. I think like tradition plays a big part in that. You know, like that's my opinion. You know, Sam, and I think, too, that these people who are fans, they're waiting for their heyday again. They're not going (laughs) to jump ship because they've been successful in the past. So they're not going to jump ship. And one of the things I found about that list, too, is that they have five NFL teams, three major league baseball teams, and two NBA teams. It's interesting because when you talk about the top 10, I'm just saying you're you're missing the WNBA, you're missing soccer, and you're missing Roy's hockey as well. No, none of those teams made it. And then the other thing is how regional it is, that top 10 list. Okay, three New Yorks, four Californias, one Texas and two New England. So those are the only parts of the United States that seem to be 
spending money on sports. <laughs> That's true, though. But there are areas that are more sports fans. Go ahead, Cole. I say what makes the Cowboys still the Cowboys is because I think it's also the age of the fans as well. Um, <laughs> you have the fan, the boomer age. They were there when they were winning. So it's like that age knows them and they're going to stay. Like you said, they're still waiting for their heyday. And there's a lot of new fans coming into the fold. But I think it's this, that core base by age that's keeping those, you know, Cowboys up there and all these other leagues up there. Also, if hopefully these Cowboys fans won't be like the Browns fans, because I, I know some Browns fans <laughs> and these Browns fans have been waiting for their heyday. <laughs> <laughs> for a number of years. And long, now they brought their children. Time. Cleveland as the city Cleveland. was waiting and then LeBron, as we yes, know, yes, he ended yes. up coming to the Cavs and, and yes. breaking. They called it a city curse. I think it was like a, a 50 yeah. year plus curse that they wow. said the city has had. And Snook referenced the list and she said how many NFL teams were on their NBA teams and also MLB teams. And just so you guys know, number one was the Cowboys. Number two, I'm sure that no one is surprised about the New York Yankees. Of oh, I think about the Jay Z hat, yeah, the Jay Z yeah. has. I made the Yankee hat more famous than the Yankee chain, like you know, like that. I was shocked by that. I thought baseball would have beat out football, uh, personally. Honestly, you know, I was, I was thinking that money? too because they call like America's pastime. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Money-wise, yeah. I think that since baseball has so much, there's a lot of money, so much baseball. more money yep. than they do in football. I was shocked that they weren't number one. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you too. And you know, football took a big hit during our last administration with the kneeling on the knees and. Things things of that nature. So football for a few months there, their fan base diminished because of that. So it's still, oh, that's yeah. what, no, that's mm. amazing. Which that I think speaks top. of the fan base. I think just because yeah. like, if you think of like basketball fan base and NFL fan base, I feel like it's two different fan bases. Cause I feel like the basketball fans, they kind of embrace the social justice, you know, side of things yep. and the activism and NFL still fans, didn't help them. they don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a help fact. Them. And you know, something else too about that list as you look at it, somebody said something about regional. And it is interesting though, because on the list of the top 10 most valuable U.S. sports franchises, New York has three teams. Like New York, the city wow, has three franchises crazy. on the list of top 10. The New York Yankees are number two, like we just talked about. The New York Knicks are number three. And then the New York Giants are number seven. Now, the New York Giants, you guys have to think about this. They're number uh, seven on the list at 5.73 billion. Shouts to my brother-in-law, Rod Mel. He's a big Giants fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. but he's ready to so you can just imagine the household with Diddy and Ramel. Diddy and Ramel in the house. The Giants <laughs> but to that point, the Giants haven't been good for a really long time. Yeah. For a very long time. And they're number seven on the list. I mean, what's a really long time, though? If it's been over 10 years, that's too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And okay. Paul's in the chat saying the Knicks haven't long. been that good for a long time either to that point. So no. the New York Knicks I'm trying to defend number- New York. I'm like, hold on. What's a long time? You know, <laughs> and that, that was my next point. I think it's the regional thing because people are proud of where they come from. So I feel like people from Dallas, everybody that I know from Dallas, they love the city of Dallas. Dallas. They're so proud of Dallas. If everybody I know that's from New York, they're so proud of that's being from true. New York. And so I feel like there's a little bit of that loyalty too to they like the fan bases to it the It don't matter if they're exactly. winning. It don't matter if they're losing. I'm, trying to defend. I'm like, of course it's three New York teams on the list, you know, because I'm proud of New York and I'm like, yeah, but I, I feel like it has a little bit to do with, with just, you know, loyalty and your, your location and things like that too. And to that point, that brings me to number eight on the list, the Los Angeles Lakers. 
Now, there's not a more proud team. Look, the, and, and going back to the the Knicks and the, Paul the New York. Paul is dropping the, the, yeah. the stats in the chat, like Knicks 1973 and putting LOLs and stuff like that. So the He's Knicks won last in... <laughs> In 1973, wow. the Yankees won last in 2009, and the Giants won wow. last in 2012. Yes, you see, that's what I was going to say. I remember when the Giants went to the Super Bowl, and I didn't remember <laughs> what year that was. That's was like, okay, so it is they right at the cusp. We're right at the cusp of the 10 year <laughs> That's exactly so why they're still, top of the we're list. We're still good. That's Look, what I was like, hold up. I remember the Super Bowl not that long ago, but maybe it was 10 years ago. Hold but up. how oh Serena's talking God. is exactly why the Yankees are number two, the Knicks are number three. Three, and the Giants are number seven because she was like, wait, I remember we we were up there in the Super Bowl at a certain point. We're talking <laughs> about the last time they won, baby, <laughs> New baby. York has more people than California, than Texas. Thing. So I'm telling you, yeah. per capita, they have more fans because they have more people. <laughs> they have think, so many I people in New York. It's too. so crazy. It's so crazy. Over that teeny state. Yes, exactly. Yes. So there's so. that. So so <laughs> that might be so we're talking about marketing and winning, but what if it's just regionally the people that are there are just supporting it because they're there now. We know that a lot of people that when they come to America, they want to land in New York. So when you land in New York, your new sports team might be a New York sports team. That's exactly. I mean, that Lakers, happened with us too with Atlanta. What's that? We we Hawks fans and we we of course we dream fans, die hard dream fans, but I'm just saying like I I love Atlanta, so I rep myself with Atlanta too. I love all in all Atlanta sports teams. Yeah, so this is a perfect example, too, because West Virginia has no pro sports teams at all. So I was an unrestricted free agent when it came to my fandom. I can pick wherever I want to go. That's how Diddy ended up being a Cowboys fan. We can pick whoever we want to be a fan of because our actual local place didn't have any. But to that point, I can see the same for the Boston Red Sox as far as fans that are just proud. Boston Red Sox coming at number 10. San Francisco 49ers. That one surprised me. I don't How know you gonna why, talk but... about Boston right after New York? I'm just saying for the true fans, that's like so it's an insult. <laughs> Here I'm just we saying. Go. <laughs> Here we go. And then Roy put some little nuggets in there. If there's NHL fans, so the Rangers in 1994, that's when they won. But the Rangers are currently the NHL's highest value team at two billion, and the last time they won was '94. So we can wow. now assume that winning does not correlate with how much money a franchise. That makes. doesn't surprise me either, actually, because the only NHL team I know is the Rangers, because they. Just <laughs> Just all over the place. Team. Yeah. Yeah. Someone evidently doesn't like the Steelers, but if you don't have a pro sports team in your area, you usually try to choose one that's near your proximity so you don't have far to travel. In our area, it's Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Yeah. So oh, that's one right. is yeah. not a winner and the other is. So I would assume now most of our fans Roy, do go to Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) So Snook is talking about regionally, but that is interesting. You know, like we've all kind of talked about it. It's (laughs) Cole said, because we got what? Are you the Ravens over there, Cole? We're Ravens. This is Ravens country here. So Ravens and Steelers are number one enemies. Yes, number one enemies. So it's really interesting. to their location. Yeah. Loyalty, loyalty. So this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to end with this. I like to hear that it doesn't matter if you win or not, depending on how well a sports franchise does, because what we are trying to do with the Atlanta Dream, we're trying to just be infused with the city of Atlanta. We want to win games. Of course, y'all know I'm a competitor. I'm an athlete, so I want to win all the games. I want to win all the championships. But in the process of growing and trying to get there, that's the exact things we're talking about. Like We just want the fans to be 
down with us. We want to be down with the fans. We want the fans to enjoy the experience. We want the fans to just rep our team. So seeing this top 10 list and reading that CBS Sports article lets me know that there is something to curating a fan base that maybe doesn't even have to do with winning on the court. Now, everybody always tells athletes stick to sports and all these other things we're saying, but the fans ain't even sticking to sports at this point. Nope. (laughs) Right. I'm just saying. So I talked about communities when I was talking about the RMF Gala and just the love that I felt from the community here. And now the community's hearts are heavy because we lost some legends. And I want to just say their names. Vince Scully, the Los Angeles Dodgers play-by-play, was an analyst for 67 years, a part of the fabric there. Then there was Nichelle Nichols, who played a lieutenant in the original Star Trek, but she was most known for the first interracial kiss on TV with William Shatner. Rest in peace to the legend. And then there was also, as we know, Paul Sorvino, known as Polly from Goodfellows. And last but not least, the basketball legend Bill Russell we lost, who, as well as a good a basketball player was, even better human in life. I got a chance to meet him at the Chicago NBA All-Star. And just being in his presence, you knew you were around a legend, the way he carried himself. Rest in power to all of the legends lost. And that's it for us this week. We'll catch y'all next week where it's a generational thing. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.